welcome back to our podcast, Best Friends and Their Books. I'm Tracy here with my co-host and best friend, Shelby. We are so excited to talk to you today about all things bookish, especially our book of the month, The House in the Cerulean Sea. So let's get started. So August was a crazy month. Last month of summer, so exciting. Um, what books were you able to read this month? I read four books this month. Um, I read Golden Hills by Jennifer Weiner. It was a short story, and like by short story, it's like very, very short, like literally fifty pages. Um, but it was a really cute story. Like I, it was just a little bit of like a little, a little sip, a little sip, yeah. you know, that I needed. Um, then the next book I read was I Could Live Here Forever by Hannah Halperin, and this book is definitely going to be on my like top five this year. I know it. Um, I haven't had any of the books so far this year that have made me like feel that way. It was so good. I actually, I got the recommendation from a different book podcast, the redheads. Um, I think it was their book of the month, like one of the past few months. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really good. Uh, the next book I read was a advanced copy that we got from NetGalley. Um, by Sally Hepworth. It's called Darling Girls. It will be out, I believe, next April. Let me see. Yeah, it'll be out next April 23rd, 2024. Um, this was shocking to me. Why? I saw what you rated it, and it shocked oh, me. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I also didn't get my ratings for the other ones. Um, Golden Hills, I gave four. I, I could live here forever. I gave five stars. And then, yeah, my girl, Sally... I give this one three stars, um, which is so strange for me because, like, I love Sally, but, like, she can't be perfect all the time. That would be... That's true. That would be insane for someone to have perfection on all their books. I don't know. It just... Maybe I just didn't like the topic that it was about, um, which is kind of funny because it was literally about girls in an orphanage, and that's pretty much what our book of the month was about, <laughs> was, like, magical youth in an orphanage. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't one of my favorites. It didn't, it didn't hit me really. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the fourth book, that, so I rated that one three stars. And then the last book I read this month was our book of the month, The House in the Cerulean Sea uh, by TJ Klune. And we will, I'm not going to say my rating yet. I'll wait for the end of the yeah. podcast. Um, but yeah. What about you? Yeah, this month I read The Summer I Turned Pretty and then the trilogy. So I read The Summer, It's Not Summer Without You, and then We'll Always Have Summer. I really loved the first one, so I think I gave it four or five stars. But the second two I wasn't as thrilled about, so they were three. But I still, like, enjoyed the series as a whole. And it was kind of, like, the easy read that I was looking for to kind of end the summer with a summery book. Um, I also read Reckless Girls, which I know you read last summer, and I really mm -hmm. liked that book. Um, you that did? That took me for a lot of loops, and it was, like, a really good, twisty thriller. Yeah, I like that one. And then our book of the month, The House in Cerulean Sea. That was my last one I read in August, and, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that more. <laughs> I also started um, one of Andy Cohen's books this month, but I did not finish that one so far. I, I don't think it's going to be a – do not finish for me, but it's going to be a take some time to finish. It's just like very, it's a, it's called the daddy diaries and it's like quite literally diary entries. So no. it's a little bit like, it doesn't flow quite like a memoir does. No. It's, I could maybe read like a few chapter or few entries 
per day, but it's like, I normally fly through memoirs and this one I'm like not really flying through. It's just like very, um, like kind of mundane in a way. Like he has a very interesting life, but like when you like kind of write down like your day to day, it's a little boring. Even if you are Andy Cohen. Why would anyone want to read that? I don't know. And that, that doesn't mean to be rude, but it's like, I couldn't imagine writing down today. I took my kids to school. Like, yeah. I yeah. Mean, life is some aspects, but like as a book, I don't think that's like the format I would be wanting. Yeah. And like the one that I'm reading, I think he has another one from a few years ago, but the one that I'm reading is like when he, um, when his daughter was born, but I haven't reached the point of his daughter being born yet. So it's all like kind of like building up, but it's like a, a little bit of a boring buildup. <laughs> So he's not a daddy yet, but he's writing the daddy diaries. Oh, no, sorry. He has a son. So he oh, is okay. he is a daddy. Right. Um, but he's, like, his daughter hasn't been born yet. Okay. So he's, like... Getting ready for Getting her. ready for that, yeah. Yeah, I don't know how entertaining that sounds. Yeah, it's so far not that great. <laughs> we'll Poor see, Andy. we'll see. <laughs> I know I love Andy Cohen, too. Like, I love... Yeah. I love him as the host on, like, all the Bravo shows, but... This one is not hidden. <laughs> Dang it. All right. Now on to our book of the month. I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis per usual. Um, a magical island, a dangerous task, a burning secret. Linus Baker leads a quiet, solitary life. At 40, he lives in a tiny house with a devious cat and his old records. As a caseworker at the department in charge of magical youth, he spends his days overseeing the well-being of children in government-sanctioned orphanages. When Linus is unexpectedly summoned by extremely upper management, he's given a curious and highly classified assignment. Travel to Marsias Island Orphanage, where six dangerous children reside. A gnome, a sprite, a wyvern, an unidentified green blob, a were-pomeranian, and the Antichrist. Linus must set aside his fears and determine whether or not they are likely to bring about the end of days, but the children aren't the only secret the island keeps. Their caretaker is the charming and enigmatic Arthur Parnassus, who will do anything to keep his ward safe. As Arthur and Linus grow closer, long-held secrets are exposed and Linus must make a choice. Destroy a home or watch the world burn. An enchanting story masterfully told the house in the cerulean sea is about the profound experience of discovering an unlikely family in an unexpected place and realizing that family is yours. That sounds, what were your initial thoughts when we chose this after reading the synopsis? Um, after reading the synopsis, I thought it was going to be like this, like really deep book, I guess. And like for me, like it really wasn't like as deep as I thought it was going to be. Also, I, we pick a lot of like popular books just because like, I don't know, we just like to podcast about popular books because many people have read them. Like a lot of people have opinions. It's more like, you're more likely to like hear about other people's opinions if you do popular books. Um, And this one had a 4.43 star rating on Goodreads, which we, I feel like use like the ratings, like as a way to pick books sometimes, you know? If it's, like, a pretty low rating, we're probably not going to pick it. Even though we might like the book, it just, like, is overall, like, not yeah good. But this one is 4.43 stars. It has over 80,000 reviews. It has over 500,000 ratings. Like, that is, like, a solid 4.43. It's not, like, not enough people have rated it yet. Like, this is a solid one. Um, And I, like, 
knowing that information, I thought it was going to be this like deeply profound, like book that was going to like change my life. Like, yeah. And it didn't. And I was like, is something wrong? Like, <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. I, my thoughts, um, after I finished reading, I like felt relief when I was done with the book, like immediately, like it felt like when you do like your summer reading in school and like you don't want to read those books. Ooh, this book did feel like a solid summer reading book. It did. And it kind of felt like when you were like done doing those, you're like, okay, I'm done. Like that wasn't, it wasn't bad, but I can like done. Yeah. That I could do. And I know when I picked this book, um, you were like, eh, that's not my typical. And I don't know if it's necessarily mine either, but I was really excited about it because I've heard so many good things. Yeah. I'm like always open to like reading something different. Like, I mean, we read fourth wing and I'm not really a fantasy person, but like I'm open to reading like all different types of things. It's not like I'm going to be like, no. Actually, our Instagram followers picked this one because we did a poll. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I've, like every person that's reached out has said how much they love it, um, and I can I feel like it's one of those ones where I can see why. Like I yeah. can definitely see why people do love it. After the synopsis, all I can say is that led me to think it would be more than what it was. Like that's a really solid yeah. synopsis too, and so I had like different uh, expectations in my mind. Yeah, I saw like a lot of people review it and say they felt like the book was like a warm hug. But I've read so yeah. many more books that are like way more like warm huggish than Connecting. this. Yeah. Um now jumping into our discussion questions, we grabbed these from a few different places like librarymaniacs.com, caitlinwhite.com, and bookclubs.com. Um, so the first question is, this book runs on an emotional engine capitalizing on six major emotions of fear, anger, disgust, surprise, happiness, and sadness. Were you feeling the feelings while reading this book and which scene character or characters elicited the most emotional response from you? I like felt like really hesitant when he was meeting like the main characters. Like I just, I kind of like had this like bad feeling and I don't know why, like I thought something was going to like pop off. Like, yeah. Between someone and like they they gave him a hard time, but no one really actually like did anything that crazy to me. Um and like when you ask this question, it has like the six major emotions like fear, anger, disgust, surprise, happiness, and sadness. And I was trying to think earlier when we chose this question, like which um child went along with each, and like I could not figure Ooh. out some of them. Like, cause that's what I thought that I thought originally, since we found this question online, I was like, oh, they must have thought like each child is each one of those emotions. Um, yeah. but I couldn't play some of them. Like I obviously Sal is fear cause he was so scared and cheeky the whole time. The Pomeranian, mm-hmm. uh, character. Yeah. And then I was like, well, Chauncey, the like blob guy, he would be happy probably. Yeah. But then out of the other ones, I really couldn't, like, I couldn't place them. Like, maybe Lucy would be anger, but I feel like his anger was, like, yeah. such a facade. Oh, no, I think that he is innately angry. <laughs> I would see. I think they're working really hard with him to, like, not, like, bring that out. But I do think that he would be anger. I think that the gnome would be disgust. Okay. I can... She's, like, kind of disgusted with everything. But I couldn't tell if she, if the gnome would be disgust or Fee, the forest sprite, would be disgust. They both kind of seemed like, yeah, they could like both, both a little bit moody, you know. Which was when they hit under the bed? 
uh, either Theodore or Sal. No, the one that the one that did his laundry and hid under the bed. One that like scared people from under the bed. I think that was Chauncey, the the happy one though. Oh man, he'll say he could be surprised. He could be he could be surprised too. That's why I was saying like with this question, I'm like I don't really feel like each person like really fell underneath like a full umbrella. Yeah, I don't think that that was like asking that question. Like I didn't get that. Like, I think that these are just, like, the emotions of the book. Like, I don't think they're, like, yeah. like, per person. But I could see, like, how, while writing it, the author was giving us these emotions through these characters. Yeah. I think my brain was, like, ready to put these into, like, these categories. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can see that. Um, and then the second part of the question was, which scene or character elicited the most emotional response from you? So do you have like a specific scene where you actually did either feel like the hug that we discussed that people were saying or like any other sort of like strong emotion? Um, I think I was like happiest to read about Chauncey, the, the pretend oh, bellhop. I don't know why, but like reading his like always just kind of made me like giggle and like just kind of made me feel like, oh, this book is yeah. kind of like the humor in this book is kind of funny sometimes. Yeah. Um, I was always, like, really hesitant reading about Lucy because, like, I just I just thought he was going to pop off, like, at I any second. Too. Like, he made me feel I like, was like, yeah, Linus is going to have to go back and, like, be like, I messed up. Like, this yeah. happened while I was there kind of thing. And it's funny because at the way end of the book, I know I'm probably, like, skipping ahead, like, a thousand steps. But at the way end of the book when he was doing his, like, whole monologue with the um, extremely upper management, like, after he went back home. And they, like, brought up Lucy, and he was, like, I actually highlighted it in Goodreads. Um, Sorry. Um, He says, I have been by their side for a month, and I have heard nary a whisper of threat. But literally, like. That's not true. Isn't that kind of all Lucy did? Was, like, say these, like, open-ended threats with, like, no backup or anything, like, it made it clear, like, because Arthur wasn't scared of any, like, thing that was going to, anything that was coming out of Lucy's mouth, like, but, like, it was all kind of, like, fake and for show. Yeah. He tested but, the waters. But they were, like, definitely kind of, like, threats, even if he, oh, could, yeah. even if he didn't act on it. So I'm like, what are you saying, Linus? Like, that kid yeah. threatened you, like, every freaking day. Even if he didn't mean it, like, he was still threatening yeah. you. Yeah, that was very strange. I don't know. I had to like highlight that line because I was like, I'll never remember this. Um. That's very strange. Because, yeah, I think the most emotions that I felt in the book were with Lucy. Like, I was scared. Like, yeah. I just, I was very uneasy always. There was always like fear and disgust. But um, I did feel a lot of surprise and happiness as well. But I can't imagine, I didn't ever feel sad. Like, it says, like, this was a major emotion. I can't remember a time I felt sad in this book. Um, I can't either. I mean, besides hearing about, like, some of... They didn't really outline, like, all the the kids' past. But I think there was... I think it was Sal's past was, like, kind of sad because he was abused. And he was only... He was, like, the one that was there for, like, the least amount of time. Yeah. Um, So I think that was maybe, like, the majority sadness I felt. But... He, we really didn't even get that a whole ton of background on all the kids. Yeah. If you could have a magical power, what would it be? I probably would fly. Or be, or no, 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 sorry. 
I would be invisible. Be, ooh. Yeah. Why? Because you want to, like, spy on people? Or what do because, you want to do? Yeah, because I'm nosy. Like, <laughs> I want to know what people are saying without them knowing that I'm sitting there. Like, yeah. I love to be nosy. I am a nosy <laughs> Nelly. Oh, man. See, I'm the opposite. I'm like, what? What? people say about me is none of my business it doesn't even have to be about me it can be about anyone (laughs) (laughs) i love it um i think if i have a magical power i would say fly because i could get places faster but i'm terrified of heights so i would want to like orb like i'd want to be able to like show up in your house right now oh that would be cool too yeah i've thought about this a lot i think about (laughs) (laughs) um as an employee of I don't know. Do we call it dicomy? I don't like that. Or D I C O M Y. When I was reading, I said dicomy. dicomy. I don't. I don't I know. Said dicomy. I guess that's where my mind lies. <laughs> <laughs> Linus Baker works under a very rigorous rules and regulations, and that's literally the name of the handbook he refers to very quite often. He's constantly being monitored, and yet he still manages to produce quality work. Why does he push through work under these pressures? If you were in his shoes, would you be able to work under these conditions? I probably, mm, I probably would be able to work under those conditions. Like it wouldn't be ideal, um, but I'm I'm pretty decent at following rules for the most part. Yeah. I mean, for the government already. So yeah, like I I do. Yeah, there's definitely like we don't have a rules and regulations at least where I work. But yeah. um, I feel like since I work for the government, like things are in place and like there's not very much room for as much creativity and stuff. Sorry if you hear my baby in the background. <laughs> She's happy, I promise. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's no room for really like that much creative liberties. It's just yeah, it is what it is, and you just do what you do. Um, but what else was it? Why does he push through working under such pressure? I feel like that's like all he knows. Like he doesn't have very much excitement in his yeah. life. Like. He has his cat and he has his house and yeah. that's like it. Like he doesn't really like branch out to do other things. I think that's why he ended up being so enamored with like yeah. Arthur and the children. Like it was just so new to him. He must've been like kind of sheltered. Yeah. I think he lives a very content life. Yeah. Like he's like in his routine, he doesn't see it any different cause that's his routine and that's what he's going to follow and that's what he's going to do. That's yeah. That's all he ever knows, and so he's just a very content person. So I think that that's why he does well under those. Yeah, I, which could not be me. No, like I kind of like saw like if my husband was gay and different, like I could like see him because he's in the military and he's just very like routine. This is, like, well, this is how we do. I've been in the military since this long. Like this is just how it is. Like, yeah, he's just very routine like person, and so I can like see why he would fall into that. Um, but that's definitely the opposite of me. Like, I I follow rules. Like, I'm not breaking the laws or anything. But if I don't agree with the rule, I'm not going to follow it. And so him uh, him not – with his boss, too. Whew, that was my boss. <laughs> I would not have taken her lip, like, with anything. Like, I would never have been able to sit there and take anything. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I would never be able to be in his shoes. But I can, like, see his – like, his circumstance. Yeah, I just feel like he was so obsessed with, like, the norm- normalcy Ooh. of his life. Yeah, like, I'm thinking, like, maybe he's on the spectrum. Maybe. Because I could see he acted, like, he had a lot of traits of someone, like, on the spectrum. Could be. Yeah. Um, But I feel like 
even if I am like kind of routine like, which I mean, I feel like if you work like a normal like nine to five type job or whatever hours type job, like you kind of have to have like a little bit of like a routine to you. Yeah. But like, I feel like I like, like to have things to look forward to also, even if they're just like small, like if it's just like going to get dinner one night, like that's something small, but like, I feel like he was like, nope, we, we do these ABC when I get home. Like, you know, there was no like room for any sort of like differences or surprises in his day to day life. Yeah, he wanted to go home and read the rules and regulations. Yeah, like, that was like, really fun. You could not pay me. <laughs> um, so Linus is a very lonely man. This kind of hits on what we just discussed. And prior to investigating the Marsaya's Island Orphanage, his only friend and family is his cat, Calliope, which I refer to as Camelope the whole book. I don't know why. <laughs> While building a family in a home becomes important for Linus as the story progressed, why was this a priority? Why wasn't this a priority in his past? Was he isolated as an adult? Was this attributed to what his home life was growing up? I don't know. And I really wish the author, like, kind of touched more on, like, his background and why he was the way he was. Mm -hmm. Um, We got, like, a little bit of insight with his mom. And his mom was kind of like, this is the way it is, blah, blah, blah. Like, no no questions or whatever. But for him to be so stringent on his routine, yeah, I feel like there has to be something else. Like, it can't just be, like, your parent being, like, no, oh, that's just the way it is. Like, because yeah. I feel like that would and actually he- cause you to be more, like, no, it's not. Like, I'm going to find out. Like, yeah. I'm going to, like, you want to, like, kind of rebel a little bit, like, when you're younger. I don't know. Yeah. And for him to be lonely and, like, not look for any kind of companionship besides his cat for the 40 years of his life, like, that's a long time. And yeah. So- it's not like, he, like we didn't get to know like oh he had his heart broken in his 30s and that what mm-hmm. led to that like we didn't hear any of that so all we know is that he was like this lonely man his whole adult life yeah so which i think like added like, a lot to his like strangeness yeah, i wanted to know his storyline a lot more yeah i think that's something that the author could have done a little bit better I think it would have been easier to relate to him because he is just such a wild card and so, like, out there. Even throughout the book, it's hard to know how he's going to react, how he's going to respond, because I feel like we just didn't have that, like, basis of who he truly was. Mm-hmm. I agree. The book prose is uh, descriptive in a very wry way. For instance, the first chapter includes Clune. Oh, chapter Clune introduces us, us to Miss Jenkins of the Department of Charge of Magical Youth. First, he describes her office's decor. The walls were lined with terrible paintings of lemurs in various poses, and then he goes to describe her as a person. As was her wont, she appeared to have applied her makeup rather literally in the dark without the benefit of a mirror. How do you feel the setting and characters were described? Um, I thought some of them were really funny. Like, that was kind of funny. Like, yeah. Everything came from Linus's point of view, and he would always really, like, go deep into how people look, and I was... <laughs> Especially himself, too. Like I liked that a lot, actually. He was, like, talking about his, like, tire, his extra tire around his waist or something, like, calling himself, like, basically that. And, like, how he was, like, bumping into everyone's tables and stuff. Um, So I, like, appreciated the way that the author described some of the characters um, and made them a little bit funnier. Yeah, I like the humor that was added that way. But it was such, like, a weird thing to, like, add about him. Like, the author really focused on, like, how fat Linus Very was. Weird. Like, <laughs> And how he not? shape he was on hikes and, like, stuff like that. How the shape was, like, was oh. like, him eating a salad and, like, dripping, dripping the dressing on his shirt. Like, 
only eating salad yeah. the whole book like sir are you okay? like we didn't get any of his like background as like anything there but we definitely got his eating disorder down yeah yeah that was like, kind of weird <laughs> just such a crazy like detail that was like throughout the entire book even yeah. the kids commenting on what he was eating like yeah and even at the end he's like my clothes fit better and like it was just all about his like body's appearance yeah especially like for a man like we hear so much about women like that although i don't think i've ever really read that much in a book described like that but as a society we always are here like making comments on women's body but mm -hmm. like i didn't i've never really like heard that about a man like that or, yeah like, a man was gonna eat even if a man did have a tire on his belly like it's the dad bod now and it's okay like i've never heard like a man be like oh i'm just gonna eat salad like it just yeah. was kind of like it was just very different with no like, dressing <laughs> Yeah, like no, that's not a salad. That's lettuce. Yeah, like, that's like that's rabbit food. But okay. But I did feel like the author like set up the setting of the book pretty nicely. I feel like it was yeah. very easy for me to imagine. Yes, pretty much everything that. without it being like without that part being like boring. Because sometimes like setting the scene parts in books, yeah, can feel a little boring if the mm -hmm. author like takes too long. But like I feel like I was able to like imagine these things. And she did it in a very entertaining way, right? Like, everything was, like, had humor in it. Or it was, yeah. like, described in ways that it was things aren't typically described. And, like, the children that with their magical powers were described in very, like, unique, like... Yeah. Like, it was really entertaining how descriptive it was. It wasn't entertaining in, or it wasn't descriptive in a boring way. Yeah. What were you expecting of Arthur? Did you believe that he was simply a headmaster? Or did you suspect that he had powers? What did you think about his big reveal? I did not suspect that he had powers. Like, I don't know what I, why I thought Arthur was the headmaster of these children. Like, that was kind of dumb on my part. Like, why else would he be, like, yeah. the headmaster of, like, all these, like, magical children? So I was, like, I was pretty surprised. Um, and especially because he was, like, a one-of-a-kind type of magical um, creature, like a, a phoenix, I believe yeah. they said. I had a little bit, I did have a little bit of a hard time, like, imagining, like, when he was, like, talking about, like, the fire and stuff coming out and stuff, like, did he change into something or did, like, fire just appear? Yeah. Like, that part was a little bit unclear to me. I agree, because in, like, Harry Potter, a phoenix is bird. And so I was having a hard time, like, understanding, like, what kind of phoenix he was, because I didn't really, like, talk about him transforming into a literal bird. Yeah, that's the part, like, it just seemed yeah. like the fire appeared... But yeah. I didn't see, I didn't, yeah. Yeah, that was weird to me. And also in Harry Potter, the phoenix doesn't have fire. Like, she turns into ash when she's done. Like, she grows from fire, but she's not, like, fire, like a fiery bird. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I had a really hard time understanding that. And it was kind of weird with the description, like, of that. I feel like they described it, she described it a lot. But none of it really, like, connected to me. Like, I just didn't, her descriptions didn't make sense. Yeah. I think but, the author is a male. Oh, sorry, male. I think oh, it is. TJ, well, right? TJ, yeah. Oops, sorry, Clune. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but for Arthur, I was like, for some reason, I thought since he had this liking for Lucy, I thought he was, I didn't think he was his dad. I didn't think he was related in oh. any way. But I thought there was like going to be a connection. Like he knew his parents and like, I don't know. I just, I just thought there was going to be a connection. Because yeah. like, they were so close. They shared a bedroom. Like that weirded me out. Yeah, that part weirded me out too. A lot. Like, I'm sorry, I, I don't want to even share better with my own six-year-old that I birthed. I just, d d d no. I d that made me really uncom uncomfy. Yeah. Um. So I just thought there had to be something else there. 
but I think it I also like shocked. he made it uncomfortable too because he was like not like that and it's like well, yeah. maybe, maybe we weren't even thinking that yeah sir that's true <laughs> when um Linus found that chamber that cellar yeah I thought there was gonna be like kids under there like I thought Arthur was gonna be the bad guy I did too I thought we were gonna find out a secret about Arthur and like not like a secret that we found out like a, that wasn't necessarily bad but I thought it was gonna be like awful like I have Linus is gonna save the day and rescue the kids kind of secret yeah um, change often starts with the smallest of whispers, like-minded people building up a roar. Linus clearly changes the, into the book in the book, and it seems that the villagers are coming along as well. Could the events from this book start a ripple of change in in dichotomy and extremely upper management? Um, speaking as a worker of the government, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, but I, that was kind of a joke. Um, it will also, as a worker of the government, it will be slow. Yeah, that's true. Um, but I do, maybe, I think it would start from within. It would start from the island or from the village, obviously changing all their minds and then, you know, changing the extremely upper management's minds about the medical youth and just, it would spread that way. Like, the only person that was able to like build a connection with these magical children was um, Linus and yeah. like he's only one person. He can't make a change by himself. So once the word spreads that they aren't like, they are yeah. like the magical beings or whatever, but once people realize that they're not like bad, then it will change. But more people have yeah. to realize that and learn that. Yeah. In order for it to happen. I was kind of thinking that was his mission. Like, I kind of thought that was going to be the point of... Especially when... Even from the first time I read the term extremely upper management, I was like, he's going to overthrow the management. Like, he's going to do something where he, like, wreaks havoc up among this... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, just even calling it extreme upper management. I was like, this is faulty. Like... Yeah. So when he went back to them, I thought that, like, he was going to get promoted and his... Like, it was like... He was going to do some sort of, like, shifting amongst this company and this like these people this management team but yeah i don't know i kind of like that he didn't i kind of like the way it ended instead yeah because like sometimes those things like yeah like you said it's gonna take forever and we didn't have that much time in the book so yeah we can't wait that long it's not gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) but i feel like even at the end like uh helen was like starting to come to like the island and stuff to like look at the garden and stuff like she's gonna be the basically like the spokesperson from for the village, like, you know, trying to get the village people to be on board and stuff. And like, so I think it does like, it starts small, but like the more and more people that you get on board, it's going to, it'll change. It's just yeah. going to start. It's going to change like really slow. Cause yeah. And you have to get, you have to get people to care. Worker, yeah. Their best worker like left and went here. It has to like send some sort of ripple through the system. Yeah. Which of the students did you relate to the most or rather, which of them would you like to be for a day? Um, I would want to be like Chauncey (laughs) because, because he was just happy with like everything, like a blob, (laughs) he was a blob and he just wanted to be a bellhop and live his life, like, and get his tips. That's what I want. That's so funny. I'm like, I want to be the gnome. 
I want to be a little fucking gnome for the day and run around in the forest. And just tell them you're going to bury them? Yes, that's so and me. smack them <laughs> with a shovel? Yes. I want to grow, like, either that or the, like, fee who's the spry, where I could, like, grow plants and, like, trees. And yeah. Stuff. connection to the earth was, like, so fascinating to me, so like either of those that's really funny because i feel like the obvious choice to me in my brain is chauncey because of how happy he was and then like it's just not i guess i know was I no one else was, was, like, was no one else connecting with chauncey we're so opposite like, like we all i always like obviously you would like this and then you never like, <laughs> like it's like that never obvious we always like the opposite <laughs> oh my gosh all right so obviously i wouldn't like lucy i mean that's the obvious one for me like lucy is yeah free- Freaky as crap. Yeah, I didn't fully trust. I didn't fully trust Lucy. Would you have read all the files before getting to the orphanage? Would you have stayed or gone at the end of the month? Um, So, like I said, I am extremely nosy. So, (laughs) I would be reading all the files before I got to the orphanage because I I would need to know the tea. Yeah, I'm, like, not a nosy person, but I do not like being blindsided. Like, I'm a planner, and I, like, want to go in, like, with all of the information that I can. Especially if I had – it's, like, one thing. It's either all or nothing for me. Like, either I'm not going to read it at all and, like, going into it blind. Or if I would have read what he started to read, I could never have had the willpower to just decide to not read the rest of it. Yeah, no. Like, that's crazy to me. Me too. Um, and what, would you have stayed or gone at the end of the month? Oh, I would, skirt. if I would have read Lucy's file before stepping on that, I would have, (laughs) I'd get the heck out of there. Like, Mary, help me. Like, I cannot be next to the Antichrist. Like, no, ma'am. Um, but at the end of the month, if I would have decided to stay, yeah, I mean, I, I think considering that I felt like him and Arthur actually didn't have a strong connection because it wasn't, like, written out very well, I didn't feel like he had enough grounds to stay. Yeah, I didn't either, like, I don't, the the romance between him and Arthur, Arthur, like, was not as, like, profound or deep as, like, I thought it was going to be. Like, I didn't even realize yeah. until, like, probably 70% of the way of the book that they were like into each other. It's like my foot was touching his foot and I'm like, okay. Like that was it. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I don't know. There was like, no, and then they just kind of like liked each other. Like there was like no information yeah. about them, like no, no buildup. And it was just like, yeah, that now we like each other. Like where was the love story? I completely agree with that. I was kind of shocked. Like, like how are you going to build a whole book like that and not really have like the love story aspect of it if i didn't know linus was gay at the beginning either like if we didn't find that out through his neighbor where he said like you know he was interested in boys yeah i would have really never suspected anything yeah me neither like especially even at the end i would have been completely shocked like but i think even despite like their relationship i probably if i if i was linus i still would have gone at the end of the month because he had a duty that he was like supposed to do and the only way that the orphanage would be saved is if his recommendation i mean it was a recommendation it wasn't like 
a definitive thing from him, but it mattered a lot. And like, if you spend all that time, like writing your reports and doing all your work to get your recommendation, like I would want to make sure that they got it so they couldn't shut it down. Like if I was there and they're going to shut it down, then I'd be screwed. Especially because like the letters and such were like kind of threatening. So would have gone back to make sure that they weren't going to do that. Yeah, exactly. Were there un- any unnecessary parts or undeveloped characters in this book? What scenes would you add or remove from this story? Um, I do think that there were quite a few underdeveloped characters. Arthur was one of them to me. Yeah. Um, I feel like we didn't re- like he was always kind of just like there, but we didn't really know very much about him. And towards the end, like you know, obviously we learned about his past. But other than that, he was just still kind of, like, a big old mystery to me. Um, And then the other thing, I think actually the next question asks asks about him, Mr. Handsome of Extremely Upper Management. I'll wait for the next question, but he is another one that I felt was underdeveloped for reasons. Yeah. I think that although... Lucy was like one of like the main child out of the orphanage. Mm-hmm. I still feel like he could have been developed more. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like we saw these like spurts of like his actions and like his like threats and such. But I feel like if like they wanted us to like the Antichrist as much as like the books was centered around us liking the Antichrist, they could have like done a little bit more with him. Oh yeah, for sure. They really could. <laughs> <laughs> It seems that Mr. Handsome of Extremely Upper Management had a similar stay at the orphanage. Why do you think that he he seems so adamant of finding out more about Arthur? Do you think that he had any regrets? I am so mad that the book did not really, like, explain Mr. Handsome's time there. Like, that was such a, like... A letdown. It was like, ooh, I got this nugget, and then... Yeah, like, I want to know what happened to Mr. Handsome while he was there. It was this maybe something that I was supposed to read between the lines? I don't think so because the author pretty much spelled out pretty much everything in the book. Like there wasn't really like anything that was hidden or in between the reading in between the lines that we would have to do. So I don't think I missed it. No. At all. But like what I need answers. I need to know what Mr. did Mr. Handsome and Arthur have a relationship? That's what I kept thinking. That's a good point. Mr. Handsome kept acting all like you'll see, you'll see. And it kind of just seemed like a, like a, a broken hearted ex. Yeah. Well, I was thinking like, oh, he must have been there with Arthur and then Arthur like scorched. Like he, I think like what I was thinking is like, oh, he just like knew about Arthur and he was going to think that Linus like was going to be scared. Like, Ooh, like Arthur's a Phoenix. Like, let me like, he shouldn't be leading these children's because he has this like past of his own. Yeah. That's the only thing that I got, but that didn't feel as juicy as I thought it could be. No, they missed the mark with not explaining that. Yeah. Does this book warrant a sequel? Whose story and what storyline would you want? What about a prequel or companion book? Um, I think the only reason I would want a sequel is maybe to like to see Mr. Handsome's like side of things because he there was def it was definitely personal like the way that he was like talking about arthur and like the island like it wasn't like a yeah that would be a good prequel yeah it wasn't coming from like a like a kind place in his heart it was because he had history there so i would be interested to learn about that 
um, like that storyline. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it requires like another like three, four hundred page book, really. No, it's just more. Yeah, I'd like a prequel that went over like even if it had like flashbacks to Linus of that age and it had like all these like yeah. different storylines kind of running simultaneously. Excuse me, that one might be nice, but or even I mean, like. A sequel is not necessary. Like, Linus went to live there. They looked happily ever after the end. Yeah. Or even, like, a prequel where it, like, described, like, when each child was brought to the orphanage and, like, what, like, how much they have changed and stuff over the time. Like, how they started there. Like, what led them to be there and stuff. So, we got, like, a little bit of information on that, like, with Sal. But it wasn't as much. So, like, that's, I guess, the only information. Okay, so what were your thoughts on the book as a whole, and what did you rate it? I rated it um, three out of five stars. I like I didn't hate the book, but and I also really didn't hate picking it up. But I, like I said earlier, like I was really relieved when the book was over. Like, um, I. I just feel like I was supposed to like it more than I did. And so that was kind of a letdown because I feel like I was like, am I not like reading the right book? Like it just doesn't, it just doesn't seem like what I was supposed to read. Um, I'm also like not really into like magical type books. So maybe it's like also a me problem. Um, And I also kind of thought it was like really overkill on some of like the morality lessons throughout the book. Like it was very much like spelled out, like the moral lessons were spelled out for the reader. And a lot of it was like, just so overkill. Like you didn't have to like write out the exact like morality. Like it could have just been like part of the book. We we would have picked it up as a reader, you know? Yeah. So those are my thoughts. I didn't hate it, but I didn't really like it that much either. Yeah, I think for the first time ever, we've been on the same page, maybe. I think that might be the first time. Like, I feel like it was a 3.5 or three a 3 out of 5. I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. I didn't mind picking it up, but I was glad that it was done. Like, I feel yeah. like, ooh, I can finally pick something I want to read. Like, yeah. it wasn't – and I wanted to read this. I was, like, super excited. I thought that seeing it on Bookstagram, that it was going to be something different than what I was expecting and – it was, like, just a letdown. And I, they, they, a lot of times I was like, is there something wrong with me? Like, if yeah. I'm too sleep-deprived to appreciate this book for what it's worth. Yeah. I was kind of wondering. Yeah. I was really interested to see what you would rate it. Because I know, like, you like, like, Harry Potter. So, like, you you like, like, books that have... Yeah. That are, like, have, like, magic and stuff in them, too. And, like, I was like, maybe... It's probably just going to be just me because that's, like, not my type of book. But... When I saw that you rated it three stars also, I was like, oh, okay, it wasn't just me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, kind of a disappointment, but going to our book for September, um, it's kind of a book that I feel like we're both going to love. Yeah. Um, it feels like right in our ballpark. It's None of This Is True by Lisa Jewell. I've seen it all over. Bookstagram, I got it as my book of the month last month, actually, so I'm, I'm very excited to read it, and it feels like just what I'm like needing it right now. Yeah, we always try to read, like, a, well, I say always, and this is our second year doing the podcast, but last year we read, like, a thriller for our September book of the month, because we'll release it at the beginning of October, so it'll be right in time for, like, spooky season. Yeah. So, yeah, I like doing that. I love thrillers <laughs> all the time, but oh, definitely yeah. 
during spooky season, they're my favorite. So yeah, for it. sure. But I've, I think I've read one or two of her other books and I like really like her. So I've read two. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like Lisa Joel. I know my mom does too. So shout out mom. Yeah. She'll like it with us. Yay. Um, <laughs> so um, that's that for this month. Thanks for listening and we will see you next month. Bye. Thank you. Bye.